You know, every year we hold a harvest service. And so when we bought this building and I'm looking at the calendar and I'm trying to figure out when we're going to have our harvest service and I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of work that we're going to be doing and we're just going to be working so hard that it would make sense to pair the two together. And so we, we did just that because as we have our harvest service, we're always giving testimony to what God has done. And a part of the harvest in, in every year, especially in the Old Testament, with the harvest, they would give portion back to God, right? They, they, they'd give it back. And so in Scripture, if you look at the word harvest, it represents many things. The harvest is what God has given us through his blessings. This can be food, your home, church, job, children, family, and in the Old Testament, as, as part of this celebration, they were instructed to give back 10% to God, and they called that first fruits. And what we're going to read today is Jesus is ministering, and he is te- he's in this teaching moment with his disciples, and he refers to now people as the harvest. And he describes them as people that are waiting to be picked to come into the fold of God and his kingdom. And so there is much to be learned about this moment. So I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to be reading verses 35 through 38. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. If you have an electronic Bible, I read out of the New Living Translation. We're also going to have it up on the screen. And we're going to begin right now. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, Jesus traveled through all towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Everyone say compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sleep, like sleep, yes, yes, Lord, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your message, and Lord, I thank you that your son, he teaches in a way that we search for meaning. And God, we desire understanding today, and Lord, I pray that you will give that to us. We'll open up our hearts to what you have to say, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. You know, as I look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, what I can't notice, what I can't escape, is that he had compassion on people. He had compassion on people. And if you were to just to go out into this world and look around, what you are going to find is contrary often to Jesus' teaching. You're not going to find people just being compassionate to you who don't know you. And I I do believe Jesus lived contrary to our natural human instincts. That was just, that, that was a representation of who he was, where you and I, in our natural human state, we tend to live a little jaded toward people we don't know. 
Maybe we think about our own selfish needs before others. And now Jesus comes in and the, the, the people that he reached out to, the people that he saw on a daily basis, he looked at with compassion. Those same people that we might look at and we kind of might just dismiss them as a passerby, an acquaintance, someone that we'll probably never see again. I believe where it starts for us is it starts out of selfishness or a lack of empathy. That the perspective that we give towards other people, I believe we need to change when we start understanding who Christ is and we have to view them through the correct lens. So Jesus, he, he's dealing with that very issue with his disciples, and he is, he is trying to teach them to think different in how they viewed Scripture, how they viewed how they should operate in their day-to-day lives, and to resist basic human nature. And first and foremost, when I look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, it is evident by who he healed, Amen. You can see his compassion for people by who he healed. There were times that Jesus, when he ministered, he was selective about who he healed. There were other times where he healed everyone who was there. And then there was a time where he went back home and scripture says he couldn't heal anybody because of their lack of faith in his authority. Now I want to read in particular Luke chapter 4 verse 40. It says, as the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Who reads that and sees a compassionate Savior? I I see a compassionate Savior where Jesus... There was another time where he he goes to this pool and, and... Crippled and lame people and all kinds of people with all kinds of different diseases, they would sit by this pool and they would believe that with the stirring of the water, the first person that got in would be healed. And so Jesus goes to this pool and he picks just one man. He picks this blind man. And I believe that he uses those moments as a moment of teaching Because here's what I believe is, as someone who has experienced miraculous healing, healing is just an outward sign of what Jesus can do in an inward work inside of us. Okay? And so Jesus comes in and and he, he heals, which is great. But it says specifically, he has compassion on those who are confused and helpless. And I want to be very clear because when we think of those who need healed, we think of those who are debilitated. And I want to tell you, being debilitated doesn't necessarily mean that you're confused and helpless. I, I, my, my grandfather, God rest his soul, was a, was a great man of God and I looked at him and my grandfather, as a young boy, he was misdiagnosed with polio and his kneecaps were removed and, and his, his legs were fused so they were straight and so everywhere he walked, he couldn't bend his knees and then also, as a young boy, he had scarlet fever and his, his mother opened up the blinds and he was blinded in one eye. And, but I look at the life that he led 
and the life that he led, you would never look at him and say, okay, he's helpless. I saw that man do more crazy things than I have ever thought about doing. But people that are confused and helpless, I believe at the root of who they are, it comes from a lack of knowing purpose. It comes from a lack of knowing purpose. You see, I, I, I walk around and I see so many people that are wandering through this life without any kind of direction. They're seeking out the wrong things. And often, when they do that, they become confused because they're going through devastation after devastation. And the moment they think they've found something that is going to solve all of life's problems, they get wrecked all over again. They look they look around for someone who maybe could be a lifeline, someone who cares, and what you often find is a world that at the root of everything does not care. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. He cares for you. Now, I know that there are people probably within this room, you have been dealt a horrible lot in life. The circumstances that you, you've faced, you might think no one cares, including God. You might have been born into a bad situation where no one cared for you. Maybe you have been hurt by other people or your struggle stems from fears of not knowing what happens when you die, why you're here on this earth. But I argue that if you search, if you seek, God has displayed how much he cares about you as a person and your future by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to Luke 4, 18 through 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he, This is Jesus speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Who wants that over their life, right? You read that and you say, yeah, I want to see the captives set free. I want to see justice done. I want the blind to see. I want that those that are oppressed spiritually to be set free of those burdens. That's what Jesus can do. So if you've walked in here today with a hurt, I'm just asking. Take a chance on Jesus. Take a chance. Because what I've found is that his care for us is so great. I believe that you will eventually come to a place in your life where you realize that as that song we sang at the very end, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Where we are walking through life and there might be terrible things that might happen to you through life, but your eyes are fixed on something greater. All of a sudden you have purpose in something more than just this life. There's something more you look forward to. And then what you're going to find, and it doesn't happen immediately, that your mission, after you have followed Jesus long enough, your mission will become a lot like Jesus' mission, to rescue those who are lost. 
Jesus goes on to say, as, as he's ministering and he's having compassion on all those who are confused and helpless, he goes on. It, it's, it's amazing how Jesus, he, it, it, or I should say in Matthew, Matthew is talking about what Jesus does, and then he talks about this teaching moment. He goes into this teaching moment, and he says, the harvest is great. The harvest is great. And I look around and I think that in this time in history, there has never been a greater harvest. Amen? There has never been a greater harvest. Matthew stated in verse 36 that Jesus had this compassion on those who were confused and helpless. And then Jesus is saying the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And here is my paraphrased version for all of this. There are many confused and helpless people out there. And they need you. I've seen time and time again the moment p- people believe they have solved the answer to all of life's problems or they have followed the next big fad that worldly solutions only bring more pain and confusion in the end. Let's say you just watch the news. Turn on the news tonight. How, how many think that sounds like a fun time? Okay. You turn on the news and you see the devastation. You are seeing how people are opposed to one another. You are seeing more homelessness than ever before. You're seeing more drug use than ever before. You're seeing more violence. And I believe that cumulatively, cumulatively, all these things reveal a major heart problem. A major heart problem. We're looking for all these solutions to why things are the way they are. And there are people, and, and right now as elections are coming up, they, your, your politicians are going to tell you that these things can be solved governmentally. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. You are not going to bring about solutions through policy. You are only going to bring about solutions to people's lives because of what Jesus Christ can do. And I believe that those people who are hopeless, those people who are confused, those people who feel like there's something empty that just needs filled, I believe that if they hear the truth of Jesus Christ and accept it, he can fulfill every need. Every need. And when he does, you'll find an everlasting peace like never before. And you will discover that God makes no mistake in creating you. And I want to say that again because I truly believe it, that God made no mistake in creating you. You might have been born into a bad situation and your parents might have even said you're a mistake. But God says, I make no mistakes. And I have called you according to my purpose. And God, what he wants to do is he wants to pour his spirit out upon you. And he wants to show you how much he cares and loves you. That no matter your circumstances, no matter your lot in life, God is going to show that you do have value in his kingdom. You're also going to find that his love for you is genuine. The kind of love that lays its life down for you. And church, I want to say is that God is calling us to this great harvest. 
There is no one on the face of this earth who should be restricted from hearing the good news of God. There's no one more or less deserving of God's favor because God's favor is unmerited for us all. It is the unmerited blessings of God. He bestows it upon us because of who he is. You and I, we've done nothing to deserve it. So it stands to my reasoning. There is no one too depraved to not hear about Jesus. You know, a great harvest, it requires workers. It requires help. It requires effort. My very first church, I went to pastor my first church. I was 27 years old. And here I am. I am in this town of 350 people. Pastor Morris visited me there once. Ted Smith, he's visited, he visited me there. Kelly, I think you went down with me there once. It is a small place. And what was amazing is this church in the middle of this town, we had anywhere from 45 to 60, so we were pushing well over 10% of the population of the town, which I think is pretty good, really. And we decided we want to minister to more people, so we had this big four-acre property. I, I just thought of this. Guys, don't get any ideas about the story I'm about to tell, because we have a big property now. Don't get any ideas. But what we decided was we are going to make a garden. We're going to create this garden, and we're going to give all the produce to the community. And if you know me, that I, I am the kind of guy that when I see a new opportunity, I grab that bull by the horns. I am like a bulldog. I lock on and I don't let go. So I got ambitious. I started reading about gardening and starting to understand the ins and outs of everything. And I decided to do a garden that was 90 by 60. At one end of that garden, I planted 40 tomato plants set all the cages in place. We had potatoes, we had cucumber, we had corn, radishes, squash, you name it, we planted it. And then as I'm going through every step and we have this rotating volunteer team that goes in and they're, they're weeding it, then the month of July came. And what I was noticing was if you weren't truly vigilant you could not keep up with the weeds that were sprouting up. And all of a sudden, this rotation of volunteers, it became a full-time, all-hands-on-deck kind of job that we needed everyone to make an effort at getting these weeds out. And then the tomatoes started ripening. You know, overwhelmed would be a good word for the condition I was in at that moment. And it was clear that like the garden itself had done well, but it revealed how many hands it would take. And so the following year, we scaled the garden down, which I think is needless to say. And here Jesus is teaching, and, and as he looks around, as he sees all the need, and he sees all those who are lost in this harvest that is so great, he also sees the need for those who have discovered the truth, those who have been rescued by his good news, to start going out and speaking the truth into the lives of those who need to hear it.
as that opportunity to be rescued was once afforded to myself. At one point it became, now it's my turn to go out and give that opportunity to those that I come in contact with. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in, in all the Bible, it's found in Matthew chapter 5. This, actually, it's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. And Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost all of its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, as messy as this world is, it needs you to go out. It needs you to find people who need to be set free. And I am telling you that when you make the decision to do that, it gets very messy. In fact, I, I had someone texting me on, on my trip for a move here last week, and they were, they were posing a situation to me that would involve them being around people who they wouldn't find themselves typically around in a church-type setting, and said, I don't know if I should be doing this. And I started asking questions. Are you compromising your faith at all? No. I said, are they having a negative influence on you? No, and said, in fact, I, I think I'm kind of having a positive influence on them. I said, I'd say you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. And you need to keep ministering that way. But we as a church, and one of the last lessons Jesus teaches here in our main text today, we need to pray for more workers. Because as I look around, I'm seeing more people confused and helpless who need our compassion. And the bottom line is there's not enough of us to go around. And I get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed seeing all the need. It reminded me of that moment that I'm standing at the edge of that church garden. And I see all the weeds. I see all the tomato plants ripening. And I just want to scream out for help or I want to burn it down, one of the two. And it can be easy to get overwhelmed, look in the mirror and think, I can't, I can't do this today. Or I can't do this by myself. And yeah, I, I, I'll admit, it would have been easier to walk away from that garden at that moment. The work was intimidating and I didn't feel ready. But the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he calls for those who have discovered Jesus as Christ ambassadors. He calls us ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador, now during President Trump's presidency, the governor of Iowa at the time, Terry Branstad, if you remember, he was asked to be the ambassador to China, Right? And so in that role, the role of the ambassador is to be a representative on behalf of a state or a nation, and it carries the authority of the one who sent them. 
And so now Paul is saying that you are ambassadors of Christ. Which, check this out, I believe is the greatest role a man or woman can ever carry. It's greater than being the ambassador to China. You are the ambassador for the God of the universe. And he has given you the authority to go out and preach the gospel to all nations. And the question is, are you taking that role seriously? Think about it. Because so many times I wake up and I look in the mirror and I think, I can't do this. And you know what God says back to me? You think you're the one that's going to do it? No, you just have to be willing. I'm going to do the work. God says, I'm going to do the work. You just have to be willing and able. And you and I, we can, we can lament there's not enough people to do all this. And you might be looking for someone, that'd be the perfect person to step up. And I'm telling you, if that burden is on your life, that's because God has blessed you with that burden so that you would start stepping up. But Jesus also instructs us here. He instructs us to pray for more workers. Did you catch that? To pray for more workers. So he's saying, the people I am speaking to right now, you should be the workers and you should be as overwhelmed as I am for all the need that is out there. But pray. And I want you to think about it this way. More workers are going to come from us doing the work. That is how we see more workers, but that's not where it starts. I don't know about you, but when when you hear there's work to be done, you might be one of those that immediately you're like, all right, I'm going to just jump right in and I'm going to get to work. I'm going to put my hand to that plow. But Jesus asks us to pray. And there are three things that I see, three reasons that Jesus asks us to pray, I believe. Number one, he directs us to people who are ready to hear it. He reveals where to go. He inspires us what to say, and that happens through prayer. That's cultivated through prayer. That's why we need to pray. The second reason that I believe he asks us to pray is because, one, he's all-powerful. Two, you and I, in in the realm of the kingdom of God, we're, we're pretty weak on our own. But God is all-powerful, and what he can do in us is well beyond all that we can ask or think. So God is not only orchestrating our lives, but through our prayer, what he is going to accomplish is he is going to work in ways we could have never imagined for his work to be finalized. And because of God's power, what you're going to see is you're going to witness God's miracles through your ministry. But that's rooted in prayer. And then lastly, I believe being effective is rooted in prayer and relationship with God the Father. If you want to truly be effective for the kingdom of God, pray. Seek Him. Don't be overwhelmed by the work 
be overwhelmed by the same compassion Jesus had for all those that he sent. That's what should overwhelm you. But here's the thing to remember, and it's so important. The burden doesn't solely rest on your shoulders, and it doesn't have to. That's why Jesus asks us, pray. Pray. This is why I believe the church is so vital, because being plugged into a community helps us connect with other like-minded people. And what I have often found is the worship team comes forward. What I have often found is when I get plugged into a community of believers, I see weaknesses in my life. I see areas where I need to step up. And what you find is in a community of believers that iron sharpens iron. And then we become better people for it. And so as we engage in a community of believers... It brings encouragement to us. It strengthens us. And it strengthens us in numbers. Because how often have you looked in that mirror and saying, I can't do this on my own. But once you start getting around like-minded people, it's like, okay, we can do this though. We can do it. And it also brings people together with a like-minded vision. It lends support to you and your ministry. More than anything though, we need to pray for the compassion that Jesus had on those who were confused and helpless. I gotta tell you, there have been so many times in my life where I feel like I've dropped the ball on revealing Christ because of my own attitude, my own problems, and it just, it just gets in the way. I can think of many regrets my dad, he always shares one of his major regrets. As he, he was a police officer for the city of Des Moines for 36 years. And he was called to a scene where a young man was stabbed. And as this young man is stabbed, it was at a party. And the police arrived there and they're, they're clearing out the party and they're trying to get witnesses and they're, they're trying to collect the scene. And this young man is dying in my dad's arms and he's focused on getting the scene cleaned up and taking care of the scene. And he often said, one of my greatest regrets as that young man was dying in my arms was not speaking the truth of the gospel into his life. And you know, at some point we as believers, we have to choose to carry that mantle every day. You can go into your job and be Aaron, the vigilant worker, you know. You can go home and be the great spouse or parent that you need to be. But I'm telling you, what can get lost is that we're children of God first. We're children of God first, and we need to carry that mantle. And so what I want you to do, what I ask you to do right now, is I ask you to just close your eyes and take, take a private moment with God. Now, I, I want to give some opportunity here as I ask the prayer altar team to come forward. If you're on our prayer altar team, I want you up here today. And all, all leadership. I believe God is speaking through this, and I believe what he is saying is,
One, I care for you. I care for you. Two, you should care for others. And I believe the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart. And what I have found is that when we have those nudges, the best thing we can do is respond. We can respond to that nudge from the Holy Spirit. And everyone that is up here, they equally care about you and your spiritual well-being. And whatever that nudge is today, they want to walk you through that. They want to pray with you. They want to encourage and support you. So what I want to do right now is I want us to stand. And we're going to sing a worship song right now. But if the Holy Spirit is nudging you today, I encourage you to just step out from where you're at and seek out one of these men or women up here and ask them what this nudge is all about. Or maybe confess to them. Share with them some of your hurts. So we're going to sing, and then as we sing, I encourage that if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, step out and find one of them. Let's sing. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to Oh, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Cause more than anything that you can do, I just want you. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy Back to where it started. I open up 
like me and you want to pray for more workers to, to pick this harvest, just raise your hands up to God, that God also brings some compassion on your life for those you come in contact with. Let's seek Him right now. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have blessed us with. Lord, as I look into this world, I see many who are confused and helpless and they're searching for answers, God, and you have given that to us. Lord, by the grace of your Holy Spirit, you have revealed that. You revealed that in us and through your word. And I thank you for it, God. And I pray that as we seek you, Father, that there will be more workers added that we might see many come into your kingdom, God, because you sent your son for each and every person that is on the face of this earth. And God, you have given us a mission to go reach them in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those who might be tired this morning, I pray that you will strengthen. God, for those who look in the mirror and might think that they're not able to do it, God, I pray that you will show them that with you, we are able to do anything. We thank you, Father. We praise you. And Lord, we know that we can be confident because it is not our ability. It is you, Father. It is you. So, Lord, I, I pray for those who have not stepped up, for those who have been reserved, Father, to just choose to step into that calling, step into your will, and go out and have compassion on people the way your son Jesus Christ did. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.